We love uh, Antioch. Have for a long time, long time. Chewy, chewy, tootsie roll lasts a long time. Yes, okay. We've loved this church a long, long time. My goodness. You sent us out on missions and uh, supported us all those years, so we love you. Thank you, Brother David Wright and your family. God bless you. We love your family. It's just so awesome. You guys always seem so happy all the time. Kind of gets me going, you know, sometimes. I get a little jealous. I, I, I think I need to apologize publicly for uh, seeming to, seeming to, that's not a full apology when you say I'm, it seems like I might have done this, you know. I did it. Or should I say, I did it. So if I, if I somehow wrongly touched your view of your favorite preachers, I'm sorry. I really am. I was probably, I mean, it was a little bit out of line, if not completely. It, it stems from a passion for all things real. Connected to a very long-standing passion that I have for the fulfillment of God's will and promise in and through this assembly. And I mean that with all my heart. I... I, I am deeply, deeply concerned and, and moved and passionate about the promise of God to Antioch, the Apostolic Church. I was there when a lot of things happened and um, that still have lingering effects today, probably good and bad. I was around when that uh, foot on the rock and my mind made up song was first introduced at General Conference. Brother Urshan was the general superintendent, and he loved it so much, and it had such an impact in that hall, wherever we were. It might have been Philadelphia. But he had them sing it again, and then he had them sing it again, and then he brought them back the next night and had them sing it again. And, I mean, it was new that day. And, uh, and then tonight um, I, I was, you know, I was looking up at the screen because I had forgotten some of the quick lines on it, and, Sure enough, there's that one that exactly introduces what I'm going to talk about tonight. When the devil comes a-knocking, showing me the easier way. Now let me tell you emphatically, without a shadow of doubt, this is absolutely the truth. The greatest enemy of a true vision is compromise. Uh, It's not persecution. It's not resistance. It's compromise. Most of the times it is insidious. You don't maybe even recognize when it's happening, but it's happening. And um, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing that the word itself, compromise, is, I mean, from two, there's two major parts of it. The calm, which is indicating something done together. And the other part is promise. It's, it's two things meeting and, com- and combining what they stand for. And, you know, when you describe it that way, it sounds like a good thing. And there are good compromises. You know, when you get married, you soon learn that that is part of, you know, marriage. I mean, it's two becoming one, and that takes some negotiations. I mean, formal and informal negotiations. Um, But when it comes to the work of God and God's will in and through churches who have claimed to have taken hold of God's promise, the biggest enemy is calm promise of mixing that promise with some other standard. Now, there are, there are five of these given to us by the Apostle Paul in the, in the book of 1 Corinthians. 
Um, I, I mean, I've read these verses, and those of you that have been in the church for a while or read your Bibles uh, for a while, you have read these many, many times, and it's perf- it seems perfectly clear what the, what the essence of what he's trying to say is, but I want, you to, I want you to look at these five things in chapter 10, and I want you to see how they are part of what we could call the great compromise. And it's a horrible thing. It's a horrible thing to contemplate. And yet, we need to do this. Now, leaders of, of you know, at our seminar Friday evening and yesterday morning, you need to pay strict attention to this. You heard me hammer some of these things. Uh, I mean, not these particular things, but, but hammer the, the concept of, of the way that insidious compromise wreaks havoc in a church. I mean, it wreaks havoc in the individual members of the church. It just, I mean, step by step, we, you know, we let up, we back off, we get a, you know, we get astray, we, we get off the, off the mark. And uh, after all, there's lots of other people around us and people that we know, leaders that we see. Um, they may not fall desperately, I mean, and, and drastically and horrifically in front of the, in front of the congregation, but but we see that their their zeal ebbs and and their 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 strict adherence to the will of God is compromised. We we see little things that, that change. And when it when it begins to affect leaders who are in fact the models that we have before us in everything that we do. Um, you know, it's, uh, I, I, I told some of the people on Saturday, you've got to watch out for this very thing. When, when you're leading others, when you're teaching others, when you are mentoring others, all, I mean, you, you need to understand that there are people in the audience that are being mentored and, and guided and taught uh, that are actually looking for loopholes all the time. They're looking for you to do the wrong thing or, or say the wrong thing. And then they, 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 they couple that, they automatically just, they, they, that label you with, with that mistake, with that, you know, with that temptation, with that, with that dip, you know, in your integrity. And, uh, and the danger is that if that happens very much at all, then finally you're just labeled as someone that's not worthy to mentor you. It's a, it's a terrible thing. It's a terrible thing in church leadership. It was a terrible thing. For Israel, the nation of Israel, it was a terrible thing. It was a fatal flaw that they allowed in and uh, took, took no, made no effort. They made no effort to cleanse themselves from the insidious attack of compromise. Now, there's five things and... Um, Four of them are taken, the Paul takes them from the book of Numbers, and one of them comes from the book of Exodus. So I'll, I'm going to take time to thumb my way through these raggedy pages here of my Bible and, and actually read the passage for you. But let's start in, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Let's just start with verse 1. Help us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant... I don't want you to be ignorant about this. I don't want you to miss this, he says. And I don't want us to miss this. Because, I'll tell you why, okay? Let me just be plain. I'm very, very, very passionate about what takes place in your ranks. I am. I, I, I care about this very much. And some of my blatant... Um, um, uh, frictional, uh, you know, caustic uh, attacks, it seems like, on, on innocent, you know, fake preachers, um, comes from there. I hate it. I mean, I have faced it. I've seen it for what it is, and I hate it. And it's so easy. It's so easy for these guys and these ladies to fall into. Because there's so many doing it. And you can't afford that. Because it'll rob you blind. And you need real leaders 
who have a real look and a real genuine perspective on God's kingdom and God's will. And most of all, perhaps God's promise. Moreover, brethren, I don't want you to be ignorant how that all of our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. Now that doesn't sound like much, but that's a lot. They saw the cloud. Once the, once the tabernacle was, was, was finished and erected, the cloud appears over the tabernacle. A cloud in the desert appears over the tabernacle. From out of nowhere, there's a cloud and it just stays right there. I remember Henry Tengani in Malawi walking with me in a place called Usisia, way up in the north of Malawi, on a black, black night. I mean, the only light was from stars. It was just, and, and sometimes the stars can get so bright that if you, if, you, if you had a piece of paper, like a white piece of paper in your hand and put your hand like this above the paper, you could see the shadow from just the starlight. And we were walking and walking and, and over our heads, directly over our heads, as you know, on a clear, clear night, you can see the Milky Way. Billions of stars. So far away and yet so close together in our field of view that it looks like to guys like Henry Tengani that didn't know it was billions of stars. He said, isn't it amazing, Brother Grossbach, how every night the same cloud comes and appears over our heads? Well, a, ta- a tabernacle, construction, finished, dedication, whatever happens, the cloud arrives. And it stays with the tabernacle. And where it stays in one place, they stay in camp. When the cloud begins to move, they pack it up and they follow the cloud. A cloud by day, a fire by night. But they all, they all passed, oh, they were all under that cloud. They saw it. And yet they became lunkheads. The entire nation of Israel practically became lunkheaded. They saw this miracle every day. They passed together through the sea. They passed through a sea together. Not only was it a sea, it was a dry land sea. And they go to Lunkheadville later on. And forget all this greatness of God. Why? What, what's going on? What's going on that God takes such care to provide these, these miraculous manifestations of His presence? What's going on is the promise. It's the journey to the promise that He's given. It's part of the promise that belongs to Israel since the beginning. And they become Lunkheads. It happens. They all ate the same spiritual meat. They all ate the manna. And they drank the same spiritual... They drank water out of a rock. A spiritual rock that followed them. And that rock was Christ, Paul says. But with many of them, God was not well pleased. You better believe it. Lots of them died in the wilderness. Lots of them died in the wilderness. Called to the promise and they die in the wilderness. With many of them, God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now, these things were our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Number one, verse seven. Neither be ye idolaters. Excuse me. They lusted after evil things, and verse six is number one. They lusted after evil things. Now, Paul, Paul takes this from Numbers chapter 11. How am I going to do this? I need a reader. Really? Man, read on, brother. Praise God. 11, 4. Numbers 11 and verse number 4. They lusted after evil things in the wilderness, under the cloud, after having gone through the sea, eating manna every day and getting water from rocks. They lusted after evil things. And Paul takes this from the book of Numbers and verse number 4. And the mixed multitude that was among them fell a lusting. And the children of Israel also wept again. 
and said, who shall give us flesh to who eat? Who shall give us flesh to eat? Where's the flesh? Where's the meat? Where's the meat in all of this? Where's the good stuff in all of this? Why are we stuck with this other, with this other junk? So number one, the first, the first way that compromise enters in on this journey is they become dissatisfied completely with God's provision, with the way that God provides. Now listen to me, listen to me. Here's the key. They craved and they lusted for things. Listen, they craved and they lusted for things that were outside of their calling. You're not called. You're not called out of Egypt and headed for a promise and you're not called to eat meat. You don't need it and you're not going to get it. They craved and lusted for things that were outside. Oh God, help us, Jesus. That were outside of their calling. Do you, can you imagine how many prayers go up to God for things that are outside of people's calling? Man, I need that. No, you don't. You want that. And I want to convince God to give me what I want. And in some ways, it seems like I deserve it. Because I'm told that if I, you know, if I sow, you know, bountifully, I'll reap bountifully. You know, that if I live a good life, God will pat me on the back and give me good stuff. Actually, you've got a calling on your life. Every individual sitting here tonight has a calling on his life. We're headed someplace. There's a mission in front of us. We've got to finish this calling. And we don't need things outside of the calling. Because, because strictly, biblic, theologically, we would be looking for things that are beyond the grace of God. They're outside the category of God's grace to carry out His will. Verse number 7. Neither be ye idolaters. This is the one from Exodus. Chapter number 32, first seven verses. Exodus 32, verses 1 through 7. They, he says, Neither be idolaters, as were some of them, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink, and they rose up to play, and that's not softball that they rose up to play. It is an, it is an antique way of saying that after they had this feast and celebrated their, their gods and all these things that they were going to do, They went berserk. They fed the flesh. They ate and drank. I don't know. I don't know what it is that they ate and drank. But they ate and drank. And then they lusted for one another. And they just sat. They they, they sat down and then rose up to play. 32, brother. 1 through 7. Yeah. And when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount. That's all it was. Moses was gone a few days. He's late. That's our reason. That's the compromise. He's late. So let's just change the schedule a little bit. Let's change this around a little bit. Go ahead. The people gathered themselves unto Aaron and said unto him, Up, make us gods. Which make, shall... make us gods. We don't like this divine leadership. We don't like his provision. And now we don't like the way that he leads. We don't agree with the way this thing is going in our leadership. So make us some gods. So what does he do? What does Aaron, what does Moses' brother do? He caves in. He caves. This is, this is his moment. This is Aaron's moment right here. He could save the promise. He could save the nation. He could save hundreds of thousands of people that are going to die over the next 39 years, give or take. It's his moment, but what does he do? Verse 2, And Aaron said unto them, Break off the golden earrings which are in the ears of your wives, of your sons, and of your daughters, and bring them unto me. Bring me the gold. And all all the people break off. And they did it. The golden earrings which were in their ears and brought them unto Aaron. 
He received them at their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool. Melted it down and then graved it into what? After he had made it a molten calf. A molten calf. A calf. A cow. Where did he get that idea? Somebody inspired him. Somebody said, let's make a calf. You need to carve us a calf. Why? Because that's a god back in Egypt. That's what people worshipped back in Egypt. God just brought us out of Egypt. But we don't like this leadership. And we don't like where it's taking us. And it looks too hard. And it's requiring too much. And we don't like what he gives us to eat. And we don't like the way he gives us to drink. And not only that, we don't like the leadership going up on the mountains and staying away from us. And we'll just take advantage of the other leadership. Aaron, make us a cow. Just like the Egyptians. Crying out. Compromise. It's hardly even insidious now. It's just open and rebellion. But it's still a compromise. Watch, read on. And when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it. He built an altar, an altar before the cow. Go ahead. And Aaron made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow, Tomorrow is, a, is a feast to the a, Lord. It's a feast unto what? Capital L-O-R-D. It's a feast unto Yahweh. There's a feast we're going to hold to Yahweh. This is when they sat down to eat and drink. It was a feast unto Yahweh. But they mixed the cow with Yahweh worship. That's what I can't stand about false preachers. There are, there are volumes of warning, of verses that warn us against false prophets and false teachers. Amen. Fakes in the end times. Every apostle in, the, in his epistle writes something about every single one. Warns us about these guys. We've got to take notice of them. We've got to call them out for who they are. We've got to know what's true so we can discern what's not true. Right. Amen. You can't do this, Aaron. You can't do this, Aaron. Somebody's screaming in the back, maybe you can't do this, Aaron. You're going to kill us all. We can't mix this with Yahweh's feast, but he does. He and does. They, and they rose up early on the morrow and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and to drink and rose up to play. And they rose up to play. Man, they went hog wild. The restraints are off. No leadership. No divine leadership. We've shirked the leadership of God. We've chosen our own path. We know how to worship, you know, our own God that we make up for ourselves. It kills a promise. It kills a promise. Number three, verse number eight Neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in one day three and 20,000. Paul is referring us back to Numbers 25, verses 1, 2, and 3. Numbers 25, verses 1, 2, and 3. And watch this closely. We've talked about their rejecting God's provision. We've talked about them rejecting God's leadership. And now we're going to talk about them rejecting God's divine separation. Read. And Israel abode in Shittim, and the people began to commit whoredom and with the daughters of Moab. And what's so amazing about this? What's so amazing about this? Go back some verses, and what you'll find is this is immediately after. This is immediately after this, this king in the wilderness named Balak is afraid of, of this massive crowd of, of Israelites that are coming through his part of the desert. And so he hires a professional prophet named Balaam to go up on a mountain and curse them, to curse their progress, to curse the population of Israel, to stop them from what they're doing. He wants them out of his area. He wants them annihilated. Balaam goes up and he says, well, I'll do what God tells me to do. He waits on God and he he can't curse. In fact, when he opens his mouth, what does he do? You know the story. He blesses Israel. It happens again. He takes him up and offers him more of a reward. More of a reward if you'll just curse these people for me. He tries again. Can't do it. Out of his mouth comes a blessing. But what he could not do, 
The Israelites did it by themselves. Here's here's a fact, okay? God called Israel, listen, God called Israel, this is a principle in the kingdom, God called Israel out of Egypt and to the promise. Okay? You can't stop that. That's why Balaam couldn't curse them. You can't stop Israel coming out of Egypt and going into the land of the promise. You can't do it. Because God said, I'm going to do it. But what can you do? You can stop all the individuals in Israel. They can make their individual decision not to be part of that promise. And guess what? They're not going to make it. There's a promise for local churches all around this world. Some of them never even hear what it is. Some of them never participate. Some of them are too lazy to do it. Some of them are too lunk-headed to do it. Some of them just don't care. They're not passionate enough to do it. They don't have enough faith. They don't have any experience. They don't know God well enough, but there's a promise and they miss it. But they have a promise. And then there's churches that have a promise and begin to act on that promise. But some people in the, in the assembly don't want to have any part of it. Or they allow compromise in and it cuts them out of the promise. Hallelujah, Jesus. I'll tell you what. There's leadership. There's senior leadership in this Antioch, the apostolic church, that believes this promise like nobody else around this earth. Amen. Because it's a real deal. It's a real deal. So what do they do? They don't like the divine idea of separation. We'll take these women and marry them. Sure. Start there. They marry these, 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 these women. They court them and then they marry them. Or they buy them on the auction block. I don't know. These guys are wild. These are the ones that rose up to play. And now, a little, you know, now they're, they're getting women from these neighboring tribes that have nothing to do with them or their promise. And they marry them. And then guess what they do? They start worshiping their gods with their wives. Verse number 9. Neither let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed by serpents. This is from Numbers 21 verses 5 and 6. It's a simple thing. It's a simple cry. It almost sounds like some of the human condition that I was preaching about this morning, but it's deeper than that. It's, it's more serious than that. It's more, it's more sick than that. 21 verses 5 and 6. And the people spake against God and against Moses. Wherefore have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? Are you just a lunkhead? You were a slave in Egypt. Why would I leave you to die as a slave in Egypt? When there's a promise and there's a promised land. And now you're saying, why have you brought us out here to die? What they're rejecting is now is God's will. They just don't see it at all like God sees it. The greatest compromise. No wonder it's an example unto us. Why did you bring us out here? The actual pathway to the promise is right where you are. Well, they cry out, why does it happen to happen? Why does it have to happen like this? Or when the devil comes a knocking saying, there's an easier way. There's got to be an easier way. There isn't any easier way. If I would have gotten up here and done a raw, raw cheerleader opening and asked how many of you believe in great revival, you'd all been on your feet. Although you did miss an amen moment in the service. You, you, guys, were, you guys were on fire tonight. I was just, it was just a pleasure to be in the worship. But then there came a moment and everybody dropped the ball. Pastor got up here and says, man, I'm feeling something great is happening right now. And like three people said, amen. When the leaders of this church should have been on their feet. Saying, we're with you, brother. All the way through. (laughs) My six years here. I spent six years on the front of my seat. Waiting for those amen moments. 
to declare I'm part of this thing. It's not just your promise, Brother Wright. It's my promise. It's a corporate faith promise. We're going to go there. And I want you to know, I want you to know as a member of this church that's on fire for God with you, brother, that I'm with you. And when I hear you say this, I'm all in. I'm all in. I love his will. I want his will for me and for you and this church. Most important building in the county? Man, I can go for that. I told my wife after church, I said, that was an amazing thing to say. I said, and, and in fact, we, right you know, just nearby here, you've got the most important building in the county, and then you've got Antioch West that doesn't even have a building. And both of you guys are exactly right. You're both right. Joel's doing it, you know, all kinds of, all kinds of you know, restrictions about getting a building, and, and they're meeting online. And amazingly, amazingly. Meeting online with, with people faithful to this thing. Whew, trying times. And then you've got this facility that just shines. You know, it's, it's shining as a beacon. But it's got to go from here. This is just the blast off pad. Is all, this is the launch pad. Yeah. Fix it up. Fix it up. Fix it up. Clean it up. Paint it up. You know, expand it. Do what you got to do. But what goes on here? is the most important thing in this county. And you're part of this. That's, that's God's promise. And I may live in Indiana, but man, I feel it all the time for you people. For us people. God's will. You know, God's provision. God's leadership. God's separation. And now God's will. Not so big. Not such a priority anymore. And then the last one. Neither murmur ye as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. That's in Numbers 14, verses 2 to 4 and 22 to 24. And I'm going to wrap this thing up. And all the children of Israel. Hang on a minute. Hang on. Don't don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong, my friends. I'm not mad at you. I'm not mad at you. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm just a spokesman tonight. For whatever reason, I'm the chosen spokesman. And I'm speaking on behalf of our promise. You know what? See, that's the thing about this morning. You know, I, I got done this morning. You know, the last thing I choked out, I think, without the mic, and some of the people up here can read my lips. The last thing I choked out, I think, was thank you because this helped me. And then I went and got my wife, and, and we were gone because it wasn't time to talk for me. But all that emotion and all that passion and all that feeling and all those tears. I mean, you know, I'm driving away from here and I'm thinking, man, I'm like a big crybaby. I'm like a big crybaby. I feel this. Every time I come here and preach to you, I feel this stuff. It's not, it's not everywhere that you, 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 it's not everywhere that you feel this. However spiritual the feeling is, it's, it's real. Praise God. Read on, brother. And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron. And the whole congregation said unto them, Would God that we had had died died. in the land of Egypt. Oh, man. I just, I wish we got it. I wish we just died. Now, see, now. You know, they've been to Horeb. They've been, Moses has been up to Sinai. Moses has, has come down with the covenant. And, and you know, and, and, and they've, got, they've built this stuff. And now it took them 11 days to get from Sinai to Kadesh Barnea. 11 days from, from Mount Horeb to Kadesh Barnea, where, where the spies are sent out. And, you know, God said, God tells Moses, God tells Moses, I want you to I want, go in, go in and possess this. This is it. This is your time. Even after these four things. 
Even after these four compromises made so far, or four parts of it. And so he tells the people, and the people say, the people say, well, this is all good, but you know, we got another plan. I mean, read between the lines on this one. The people say, you know what we should really do? We should send out some spies on our behalf. Compromise. God said, go on in. The people say, okay, but let's send some spies in in case there's trouble facing us. Who cares about the trouble facing you? Out of all the people in the world. Amen. Amen. Out of all the people in the world, Israel. Out of all the people in the world, Antioch. God speaks to you and says, possess this thing. Make it yours. Well, let's send some spies in and check it out. And Moses acquiesces. I guess you can only go so far even as Moses. I mean, he knows, he knows that if he doesn't do that, they're not going to do it anyway. So maybe, maybe we'll send in some spies and maybe they'll come up with a report. Boy, that's not the report that he was looking for. Have you gotten down to 22 yet? No, that was verse 2. Okay, go down to 22 to 24. If that's what I said. Ready for me to read? Yes, sir. Because all those men which have seen my glory and my miracles, which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness, and have tempted me now these ten times and have not hearkened to my voice, surely they shall not see the land which I swear unto their fathers. I mean, they're out. They're cutting them out. They're done. They're done. And here's the amazing thing. Remember who those, remember who the 12 spies were. I mean, you know two of them. I remember tricking you guys and reading, you know, and preaching about this a few years ago, I think at the, at the 45th thing, you know. And I started off by reading the names of the 10 and nobody had a clue who they were. You know, rightfully so. We know two of them, Joshua and Caleb. But all the other 10 were leaders. They were all rulers of the people, of their tribe. They were rulers of their tribes. They weren't supposed to be lunkheads. And they come back and they overrule the report of Joshua and Caleb. Joshua and Caleb are begging the people. They're watching the promise die in front of their eyes. Oh God, don't do this. That's the heart of a leader in a revival church. We can't do this. We can't do this. Let's go on to the promise. doesn't matter what it looks like. It's real and it's true and it's divine. They overrule them. They want to stone them. They want to kill them. When I, I wasn't long in Malawi and I was dealing with carnal leaders and carnal pastors. It wasn't anybody's fault before me. It's just the rapid development of an unknown part of the work. And I mean, these guys were creeps. They were beyond lunkheads. They were rebels and they were dastardly in their deeds. They were evil in their hearts. They were black-hearted men. Go to one village, go to one village. We're going to silence this one guy. We're going to kick him out. And he writes me a letter and he says, when you come, we'll stone you. Stone you. Okay. Okay, then let's draw the line. You're going to stone me like Joshua and Caleb. Then bring it. Just bring it, pal. Took Eddie Chicopa, the general secretary, with me in the little Datsun station wagon. Drove down to Chihuahua, and there's the crowd, and they're going to stone me like they threatened Joshua and Caleb. And Chicopa's not happy. It looks real. They're going to stone me. Oh, man, you couldn't have told me something that pushed me harder than that. Come on, bring it. This is what, I, this is what I've been praying about for six years back in Antioch to be a missionary. This is what missionaries do. This is what missionaries hear. These are real threats from real people with real stones in real villages that really hate you because you're doing what's right and you know who God is and you know whose side you're on. 
So bring on the stones. And God knocked that guy for a loop. God almost killed him on the spot. It was absolutely awesome. And Jacoba never forgot that. Ha! Stone us like Joshua and Caleb. Okay, bring it. They were going to kill him. They were going to kill the only two guys that understood the promise. The promise. They rejected the provision. They, 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 they rejected. They, <laughs> boom, 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 boom. And now they're going to reject the promise wholesale. Only two of them, only two of them knew and understood the reality of the promise. Their instructions are fascinating. God told them to go through Moses, told them to go and see the land for what it is. And all the other guys didn't see the promise. They saw the impossibility. Last verse, brother, and this one is awesome. Numbers 14. Don't put it on the screen. Well, go ahead. But if it's on the screen, why are we having you read it? Numbers 14 and verse 34, because you're a good reader. Listen to this. After the number of the days in which ye searched the land, even 40 days. This is God telling them what their punishment is. Each day for a year. Each day that you had a chance to see the land for you 10 guys, each for each day that you saw, you had a chance to see what, what the promise consisted of and, in, 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 and then rejected it, I'm going to turn those into a year of traveling in the wilderness. Okay? And don't, don't, don't forget how long Jesus walked after his resurrection. 40 days. Shall you... the, the apostles had 40 days to see the beginning of the promise. And they didn't flub the dub on that one. No, no, they did not. Read on. Start over. Okay. Everybody. <laughs> after, after the number of the days in which ye searched now the land. Now this is King James. Thank God. Read on. Even 40 days, each day for a year. I want you to look at this, and I want you to digest this verse. I want you to get this. Okay? Read on. Shall you bear your iniquities even 40 years? Yep. And you shall know my breach of promise. And you shall know my breach of promise. Wow. Let me tell you something. Bible principle. Okay? Bible principle. There needs to be a Bible school class named Kingdom of God Principles. I wish there was one. Bible principle. God doesn't break His promise. God does not break his promises. Right. Never. He won't break a covenant. He won't break a promise. But he tells them, you're going to know my breach of promise. You're going to see me cut off that promise like it never even existed. I'm not breaking it. You broke it. God doesn't fail. God doesn't take it back. We cut it off. And God says, okay, you'll see my breach of promise. Back to 1 Corinthians 10. I mean, look at the rest. Now, now look, at these, look at these next two verses and understand the import of what Paul is trying to get across to a church that's struggling in Corinth. Now, all these things happen unto us, for examples. And they're written for our admonition, our warning, upon whom the ends of the world are come, the apostolic church. Wherefore, let him that thinks he stands take heed, lest he fall. If the promise is broken here, it's because of those five things. And the leaders of this great church this magnificent assembly called Antioch the Apostolic Church, you've got to hold sure this promise. You've got to ever portray it in front of this assembly as right and true and eternal and unbreakable. It's a sure thing. 
Pastor David Wright, you've got to do everything God empowers you to do to keep hypocrisy and compromise out of the leadership of this assembly. Make us real. Make us real. Why can't we be real? Let me ask you, let me, let me tell you, I, I, I gotta, I'm, I gotta, I'm closing, okay, I really am. There's a question that I, I have been crying out loud for the last few years. It's just, it's always, it's just there. And in many, many places and in many, many contexts, and my wife is probably getting tired of hearing it. But my question is, where, where is the humility? Where is the humility in this thing? We get great preachers and then we make them stars and the next thing you know it's as if they're stars and they're just men. We know it it seems as though it becomes a singular thing for only stars to be dynamically used by the Spirit to, to provide excellence in ministry. But the Bible principle is, and the Apostle Paul tells the Ephesian church very clearly, that you need to walk worthy of the vocation. He's not talking to leaders. He's not talking to stars. He's talking to members of the church at Ephesus that he loves so dearly. Walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you're called. Walk worthy. In other words, minister dynamically by the power of the Spirit. And then in the next verse, or the next part of that same verse, he reminds them that they've got to be humble in all this. Dynamic and humble. Dynamic and humble. That's a Christian leader. That's who shines for God. Powerfully, powerfully used by the hand of God and His almighty power, directed, guided, protected, graced, provided, led by the Spirit, and at the same time, humble, tearing His robes at the first thought of being lifted up too far. I'm nothing but dust. Leaders should, that be, should be part of our mantra on, I'm nothing without you, God. I don't want to be lifted up. I don't want to be paid homage to. We're just servants for Christ's sake and for the cause of His great eternal promise. Those are the men and women that God will use in true dynamic ministry. God, help us. Help us tonight. Help us tonight, God, to make a pledge unto you and to ourselves and to one another. To hold ourselves accountable to this. To hold each other accountable to this. That we can be corporately accountable to God in this promise. Oh Lord. Oh Lord. We believe you and trust you Jesus. We need you desperately and more than anything else. God we need you. And we need your guidance. Hallelujah. He condescended from his throne. And became flesh. He humbled himself. And became obedient unto death. Even the death of the cross. Wherefore God has highly exalted him. And given him a name. That is above every other name. Of things in heaven. And things in the earth. And things under the earth. And he's going to allow people to think. Too highly of themselves. No way. Not in his kingdom. Let this mind, Paul wrote, let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. How many times did Jesus walk past Calvary? How many times did he walk past? How many times did he pray already in the Garden of Gethsemane before that evil night? How many times was he buffeted? How many times was he beaten? How many times, how many times did, did, was he wrongfully accused? How many times was he called a blasphemer? How many times was the perfect good that he did rejected and, 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 and despised by the leaders around him? God Almighty. 
but humbled in the flesh. Oh, God. Uncompromising leadership. An uncompromised vision, Antioch. An uncompromised promise. Answered with uncompromised faith and uncompromised submission to his will. In Jesus' name. Praise God. Can you make that pledge? If you can make that pledge, stand. 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 Oh, God. Whatever the sacrifice, Lord, whatever, whatever the sacrifice is, it's all right. It's all right. It's all right. Jesus. Oh, God. God, forgive us, Lord. Forgive us for all compromise. Cleanse us, God, from compromise. Make us pure in heart. Make us pure in heart, God. Separated unto you for your, for your ministry and work. Hallelujah. Oh, God. Fulfill your promise, Lord. Don't, don't allow us, God, to break, to break the promise that you've made unto us. Oh, God. Help us, Jesus. Give us leaders. Give us real leaders, God, like never before. Give us leaders like never before. Greater than all previous leadership, oh God. And let them shine for you. Shine in dynamic ministry and and genuine humility before the great God and Savior. Oh God. God, let the team of leaders emerge here. Clearly seen by and recognized by all. Oh, God, help us shine, Jesus. Help us shine for you. Help us shine for you. Help us shine for you, Lord. Oh, God, reflect your glory in us and through us, oh, Lord. Hallelujah. God, we see the cloud. We see the fire. We see the miracle. We see the provision. God, we love your leadership. We love this separation under your service. We love your will, God. And we love your promise with all of our heart. Oh, God. Like Caleb. Like Caleb, Lord. Help us help us serve you and love you with our whole heart. Our whole heart. Hallelujah. Let us live like Caleb to an age where even elderly God, he wanted to serve you with full strength, full capacity, because there's nothing greater than you. There's nothing greater than your promise. God, make your promise personal to the assembly here at Antioch in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, God, make us real, Lord. Make us real. Send us, God, forth into your harvest now. Send us forth into your harvest, oh God, with honest humility and submission unto your will. God, anoint us for the task in a fresh way, in a real way. All glory belongs to you. All power emanates from you, God. Hallelujah. Without you, we can do nothing. And yet with you, God, we're more than conquerors because you love us. And you've chosen us. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God, Israel. Israel was called and chosen, but not faithful, Lord. Help us, Jesus, answer your calling with real faith, 
oh God, we open our hearts up unto you. God, write in our hearts your truth and your will, God. Seal us, O Lord Jesus. Seal us, O Lord. Hallelujah. Oh God. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Mudzinala Yesu Christu. Mudzinala Mbuye Yesu Christu. Mudzinala Yesu Christu. Mudzinala Mbuye. Au nom de Seigneur Jésus. Au nom de Seigneur Jésus Christ. Praise God. Praise God in the highest. Praise God in the highest. Praise God in the highest. Blessed be the name of the Lord in all the earth. Blessed be the name of the Lord in all the earth. What you've chosen, God, for this church is real revival and real harvest and real growth and lives changed forever and going everywhere and converting all, oh God. Hallelujah. God, we sang about your blood tonight. God, wash us all over again. Make us living sacrifices the way we're supposed to be. Hallelujah. Oh, God, touch the leadership of this assembly, I pray. With your mighty hand, God, touch them and heal them, Lord, and strengthen them with true anointing for service, oh, God, for service, for ministry, And help us say no to self and yes to you. Hallelujah.
Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Mudzina lambuye. Mudzina la Yesu. Mudzina la Yesu Christo. Zikomo Yesu. Zikomo Baba. Zikomo Baba. Thank you for your unspeakable gift now, Lord. And help us use it, God, for your glory and for the salvation of souls. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.